Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today I'm bringing not one, but two episodes about the new film, Women Talking, from director Sarah Polly and starring Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Ben Wishaw, and Francis McDormand. You're listening to part one in which I discuss the film with Lindsay Dunn, a film critic and a writer about faith and culture. Stick around. Welcome to Art House Garage. The new film, Women Talking, made a splash when it played film festivals last year, and it's in theaters now. The film, directed by Sarah Polly, tells the story of a group of women in a Mennonite community who have faced physical and sexual abuse by the men in their colony. They gather in secret to discuss whether they will stay or leave in light of the attacks they have suffered. The film stars Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Ben Wishaw, and Francis McDormand. Director Sarah Polly also wrote the screenplay, adapting it from the novel Women Talking by the author Miriam Taves. As you can imagine, it's a heavy film because of the subject matter, but thematically, it's incredibly rich, and there are moments of lightness and hope amidst the sadness. I was very impressed with just how nitty-gritty this film is in terms of getting into the nuts and bolts of faith and what it means to live a life of faith, especially when your religious experiences and your understanding of God have been largely controlled by abusive men. Women Talking ended up being my very favorite film of 2022. As mentioned, this is a two-part episode. In this first part, film critic Lindsay Dunn joins the show for a discussion of the film. I've been wanting to have Lindsay on the show for some time now. She often writes about faith and culture, and the themes of this movie seem like a perfect fit for her sensibilities. We had a wonderful discussion, and I can't wait for you to hear it in just a moment. I also highly encourage that you check out Lindsay's work at oneofmystories.com or follow her on various platforms, One of My Stories, Twitter, Letterboxd, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and I've linked all of that in the show notes. After you listen to this one, I highly encourage you to look in your podcast feed and find part two of the show. In part two, we focus more on the book, how the adaptation was handled, and we dig into what the book and the film have to say about faith and religion. My guest in part two is Maddie Modell. She's someone I've known for years, and I've appreciated her perspective on Christianity and feminism for a long time. When I found out that Women Talking is one of her very favorite books, I had to have her on the show. Oh, and by the way, she's currently a seminary student, so she digs into some theology stuff as well. Both episodes are really wonderful, and I love this film and the novel enough that I felt it warranted two episodes. So stick around for the film discussion now, and make sure to check out part two in your podcast feed after this one. So without further ado, here is my discussion with critic Lindsay Dunn about the film Women Talking. talk about our bodies. We were given two days to forgive the attackers before they returned. 
we hardly knew how to read or to write. But that day, we learned how to vote. Do nothing. Stay and fight. Wait. Leave. If we do not forgive these men, we forfeit our place in heaven. Surely there must be something worth living for in this life, not only the next. We know that we've not imagined these attacks. We know that we are bruised and infected and pregnant and some of us are dead. We cannot forgive because we are forced to. Who are you? Who are any of you? To pretend I have had a choice. We know that we must protect our children. I will become a murderer if I stay. We are not all murderers. Not yet. Men have taught the lesson of power to the boys. And they have been excellent students. But they are children. And they can be taught. Have we made a decision? Our choice will be your future. Lindsay Dunn, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I'm great. Enjoying the not so cold weather, not so warm, not so cold. I guess it was, I was in Florida and got to enjoy the beach Hmm. and now coming back, it's, uh, I was afraid that it would be freezing, but it's not what I like to call not so cold. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is here in Arkansas as well. It's, uh, you know, yesterday it was really cold. Today it's like summer, basically. So you never know what it's going to be. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I'm so glad to have you on the show. I, uh, I, whenever new members were added to the Film Critics Association that we are both in, I always read the bios. And when I read yours, oh, religion and film and faith and culture, very interesting. I'd love to have you on the show. And then this film seemed like a good fit for it. So thanks so much for making the time. And I'm excited to talk about women talking with you. Uh, so I guess to jump right in, my first question is about the director, Sarah Polly. Uh, have you seen any of her other films? How familiar are you with her work? Well, oddly enough, I I don't think I've seen a lot of them, but there is one film. I have a actually a very, for a film critic, I have a very small movie collection because I did like a big purge of all my DVDs. Nice. But there is one that I kept called Away From Her, which I... Mm had no idea was a Sarah Polly production. And uh, I just, I discovered that when I was looking through her IMDb and just Hmm. see like what she had directed. I was like, away from her. I love that. I love this movie. Have you seen that movie before? I have not. I've seen her. So I think she has four features, including women talking. That's the one that I haven't seen. So we kind of fill in each other's gaps, I think. (laughs) Um, So, but, but I have heard really good things about that one. Uh, What I have seen, years ago is uh take this waltz which is like a little indie drama about kind of marriage dynamics and uh i had no idea who she was at the time it has seth rogan and as the husband character and michelle williams and i think i watched it in college like oh this seth rogan comedy (laughs) it's not at all what it is um it's like a really dramatic role from him uh but it really stuck with me and i really liked it and then um i had not seen anything else until women talking 
which I loved. And then this week I did make time to watch her documentary stories. We tell, which, uh, is really good as well. I actually liked it a whole, whole lot and it's streaming for free on canopy for library people, uh, because, uh, yeah, so I'll recommend that, but it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't see, like, I, I think there are some thematic ties between her and her work really stories we tell and take this waltz have a lot thematically going on. Um, but stories we tell is, is kind of, as the title suggests, it, it is about the way we tell stories about our own lives. Basically, she turns the camera on her family members about some specific stories and kind of their their family and hearing the different versions of the narrative and that sort of thing. So it's kind of about storytelling. And and so I think I was trying to you know think if there's connection with women talking. Um, and I, I think, you know, looking at maybe like religion or different systems as sort of meta stories that we're kind of taking part in that that might work on on that level but um yeah so i i've seen those two and uh really like all three of the things that i've seen from her now so yeah i guess i'm a sarah Pauly fan i haven't seen any of her acting uh roles actually i didn't i realized as i was looking her up you know in the last couple of weeks that she's an actor as well um in the documentary stories we tell there's a little bit about her role in a movie called mr nobody with Jared Leto, mm-hmm. which I've not seen. Um, but anyway, so she's an actor first, I think. And uh, that's how a lot of people know her, but I haven't seen her act. So, but she's great in this, or she's great behind the camera with this. So, uh, yeah. Well, what's interesting about her as an actress is I feel like, for some reason, and I could be wrong, but I feel like she was in sort of angsty, angsty movies, maybe. Like... Mm. I know she wasn't in Reality Bites, but for instance, a movie like Reality Bites, like I feel like she was in some angsty sort of comedy stuff. And when you look at her movies that she's directed, um, you know, the two, remember that I know about two (laughs) women talking Mm -hmm. and away from her. They're both like very deep pictures, very like multi-layered thematically and what you can get out of them. Mm So it doesn't it doesn't track with what I thought I knew about her. Yeah, it's interesting. Looking at her acting roles, you wouldn't necessarily necessarily call them like prestige films, which or directing you would, I think. So yeah, that's that's an interesting difference in her career. But yeah, so I'm so glad she made the switch to directing because I, I've been really uh, really enthralled by what she's made. Um, well. You like films in which characters wrestle with faith, according to your bio that I read, um, and and looking through your you know your website and, and reading some of your work, um, the faith and culture th- parts of your writing I think uh, pertain to this conversation. So I'm curious, does this film, Women Talking, resonate on that level for you? And if yes, how so? Well, it, it definitely does. But I was thinking about this question before. And when I think about movies where characters wrestle with faith, in the past that has meant to me that you're in a situation and you're trying to kind of bridge the line Mm -hmm. with your beliefs and as far as how do you walk in that in that situation. You know, you're in this tough challenge and you want to be a person of faith and how do you do that in a way that is um honoring to god and also Mm -hmm. 
also honoring to your beliefs and you being able to maintain your dignity dignity as a person um but in women talking the women are in a situation where i was thinking about this movie as far as safety um these mm. women have put themselves in this religious uh you know, closed off religious community because it's supposed to be a safe place. It's supposed to be, you know, away from the world. And I'm guessing mm -hmm. they somehow, at some point there was a separation and they decided, the community decided like it's better for us to just close off the rest of the world because this is, this is a safer place and we don't have to deal with the junk that's outside of these walls. But mm -hmm. in this situation, the junk came inside the walls, you know, that it, um, mm. it wasn't a safe place after all. And as well as the women are in sort of a subservient position where they are trying to wrestle with, I think their perceptions of what they have learned or heard that God was from the people in power, that being the men in the community, versus what they believe or what it should what it should be like and so it definitely is <laughs> it definitely is wrestling with faith but the the interesting part is that these women who have been not educated they've been refused an education they are still cognizant enough to realize that there's something wrong you know this is not the way it's supposed to be and that's something i am just now which is a shame but in my 30s coming aware of like i wouldn't say i grew up in a religious community of any kind but uh, i mean i did but i'm saying it wasn't closed off <laughs> it was part mm -hmm. of the regular world but that you know, I grew up believing that this is good and this is right and this is how you navigate in the world safely. And I'm just now becoming cognizant of like this dissonance between um, mm. things I believe are not right or in line with God. And like when you realize that like what I thought was good and what I thought was protection is actually harmful and and stepping into that and it's amazing that these women i was thinking about the fact that they didn't get any schooling that they still have the dignity and the intellect to be like okay we need to vote we need to discuss this mm -hmm. and they're discussing not just what they you know what they think is right to do but how do you decide what is right to do and what is the definition of mm -hmm. that word right you know what does that even yeah, mean yeah. and it's so it's um definitely these women not just trying to be in a difficult situation and you know what is the right thing to do but when your whole world turns out that it was a lie or you know mm -hmm. how do you how do you find a place a solid place to even stand from to ask those questions in the first place yeah 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 absolutely i love all that. It, it's a surprisingly kind of like nitty-gritty look at faith and fundamentalism and patriarchy and um and it's just kind of surprisingly niche too as far as 
I mean, I would not say this is probably a film that has a lot of widespread appeal, (laughs) but I think for people who, with whom it resonates, like really resonates, at least that's my experience. Um, But yeah, like just really getting it. And like, maybe that goes back to, you know, stories we tell as like these narratives that here's a, here's a narrative, a story we've been handed that this is how the world is. And this is how God is. But suddenly what we're experiencing doesn't line up with that, like you're saying. And and what do you do with that when you meet this moment of crisis, uh, specifically like faith crisis? And uh, I didn't know it was quite that focused in on on that kind of a, a faith crisis. And um, so I, it kind of took me aback just like sitting down in the theater to watch this. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is much more resonant than I expected it to be. Um, but it's also it's not a. Uh, like you're talking about like how does my faith how do i continue to be faithful with this situation it's not something where they are you know just leaving their faith and in fact one of some of my favorite parts of this are kind of towards the end as their discussion turns towards um you know here's the reasons we can't stay and in fact it's a supreme act of faith to leave and it's a it's we are i think here's the quote we are leaving because our faith is stronger than the rules and i love the way that that is put and how they kind of build towards those kinds of um almost philosophical musings about religion and culture and and how those things can go together um but yeah I, i did not expect it to be quite so uh kind of in the weeds of those things which you know growing up very again not Mennonite actually which is interesting the the writer of the book grew up in a Mennonite community so mm-hmm. I, it looks like every about every other one of her books uh is, is set set in a Mennonite community mm-hmm. um but yeah growing up myself in a very like kind of strict uh religious setting uh again nothing is extreme or closed off uh like you're saying either but um definitely feeling some of those res feeling the, the questions they're asking and, and kind of the conclusions are coming to feel very familiar in, in many of the scenes. And so I really uh, connected with it for that reason. This movie has a lot in common with your podcast. I was listening to about hidden life, a hidden life. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was thinking about the topics, some of the points you were bringing up in that movie too, where mm. like, for instance, there's, almost there's a people have compared this movie to a lot of the shots to Terrence Malick film style Mm. because of all of the we're in the field and we're doing this at the same time there's voice narration about how women have been assaulted and so there's Mm. kind of this like dissonance between what we're seeing and what we're hearing and you're getting that those pastoral scenes of that look so peaceful and it's almost like a work of art um so the comparisons with those um also the fact that these women are asking how do we be faithful even when we're being how do, how are we being faithful even when we're taught like in order to be faithful you need to do xyz and prescribing mm-hmm. that and when the people that you trusted your religious leaders are telling you well this is how you be faithful if you don't agree with that or that doesn't line up where do you draw the line and how do you create, um, you know, each of us does, has to stand, you know, we all have to come be people that stand in account for ourselves. And you can't rely on somebody else to say, like, this is why I chose to live the way I, what the way that I do. And those women are having to ask themselves those same questions that mm-hmm. the main character did in Hidden Life where, um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting like progression for me just as a film watcher going from that to this. And uh, yeah, it's interesting too how they, all the women in the film kind of react in different ways or at least nuanced ways. And it almost feels like it takes on a little bit of a fable quality. They're like, okay, this person is very angry and wants to react very violently. This person is still sympathetic and, and is so afraid of what this would mean for her to to leave that she can't. Um, kind of it's really hard for her to go there and like um and then there's others who uh i mean like the ona character who is pregnant as a result of the attacks and what like the the way she's reacting to the situation but also to you know still like she loves her baby and and that's i don't know such a an interesting um way that each of the the people have kind of different um ways of, of seeing everything but yeah i think it's i think the script is really good it's uh i won't talk a ton about the book but i did read the book and it's it's a really pretty faithful adaptation there, there's only a handful of kind of key differences uh, between the book and the film but um so yeah really i guess the credit there goes to the the author which um her name is miriam i think it's pronounced tives i looked up the pronunciation it's like a welsh mm. last name it's t-o-e-w-s but i believe it's pronounced tives or taves um but yeah really really impressed with the writing uh there in the, in the script as well you were mentioning that the women all react to it in slightly different ways and i do think that's a beautiful part of the movie because in a sense the way that we see these women we look at them they could be all uniform you know they all wear their mm -hmm. hair in similar styles they're all wearing these yeah. dresses some of them even have the same fabric <laughs> that the dresses mm -hmm. were made from and so there's a uniformity to them where they all sort of look the same but they definitely have different ways of looking at the situation and what their immediate sort of mindset is about what they should do and one of it one um in one instant one of the women has a panic attack and another of the women gets super mad and she's like why is it so much worse for you than the rest of us mm -hmm. in, in a very mm -hmm. accusatory in a, in a very accusatory tone not understanding that aspect which you talked about which is that uh Trauma hits people in different ways. Some, you know, yeah. we that's why there's five stages of grief. We have denial, we have anger, we have sadness and sorrow, we have bargaining. So, um, you know, people have different ways of dealing with difficult situations, and it's so easy to look at another person how they're dealing with it and be judgmental about that, mm -hmm. and feel like, well, the way you're responding to this is wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I felt like that was a really realistic part of the script to, to do mm -hmm. that um, because we, when you're in a situation and you're, you're with people that uh, share a faith identity or even different, it's so easy to look at people who are dealing with situations in a way that's different than you're dealing with mm -hmm. them and feel mm -hmm. like your way is the better way or superior way. Or, um, yeah. So that was a really a realistic, very brutal part of the script, but um, it makes you at times want, what I'm saying is you at times want to sort of shake these women and have a word within yeah. yourself. You know, <laughs> let me have a, yeah. let me tell you why this woman's having a panic attack. Like, yeah. But in yeah. that community, they probably 
don't know what that is. You know, they call it episodes mm. instead. Yeah, she's having a pan or she's having a spell or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, interesting. it's as much about trauma as it is about, you know, the religion or the, the patriarchy or, or all those kind of bigger systematic things. But yeah, there's so much about trauma and responses to it. Actually, my wife's a social worker and a therapist, so she thinks about trauma all the time. I think she would love this movie for that reason. She also doesn't really like heavy movies because kind of, mm. she gets enough at work probably. But I think eventually she'll watch this and I'm curious to hear what she says. Um, but, but yeah, it's interesting too, like, like what you're saying, I think it. There are moments where you just want to like shake the characters, like you don't understand what's happening. But at the same time, it's it very much doesn't like judge the characters. Like um, I think it's very empathetic to like here's their reality and here's the way they're posing these questions. When like that's why like I don't know if someone who wasn't you know raised in any kind of religion at all, I really am curious what like if they would just be so frustrated watching this. Like why do you care so much? You know whatever. But um, I think yeah, like. I don't know, like a, a faithful mindset, uh, having some sort of um, familiarity as a viewer with kind of the ways they're thinking in these situations makes it a really, I, I found it a really rich kind of viewing experience. But, mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious, what do you think about like as a film, like the filmmaking, you know, whether that's the direction or the production, uh, what, how do you feel about this film kind of from a technical aspect? I mean, it's a beautifully put together movie (laughs) altogether. You can't, um, I think the, you know, the shots and the way the the shots are framed and all that's very beautiful. There's the very muted color scheme that everything looks a little bit washed out, which matches this sort of plain community. It's a community of of what you'd say plain women we we've already discussed they're not uniform but Mm. they that is how they've been raised to kind Mm. of be that way and to nobody should stand out um this the screenplay is quite good i think it it manages to do a few themes i can imagine some people will say there's too much talking i mean it is a movie called women (laughs) talking but it is very much people in conversation trying to make a decision, trying to define words. What are the pros and what are the cons? And mm-hmm. uh, what's the difference between leaving and fleeing? And so even if you don't, um, even if you can't relate to being in a religious community, even if you can't relate to being in this heavy of a situation or facing you know, having to potentially live in community with people that have attacked you and and assaulted you, it allows you to step into that space with those women and kind of have the discussion with them because a lot of the questions that they're asking, you're going to have an opinion about too. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be confronted on every single one of your opinions about, Mm -hmm. about these things. And um, so I think that's the brilliance of this screenplay is that how it allows you to interact with those issues alongside of them because of how uh, simple it is in a way. It's complex, but it also the ideas in it are ideas we can mm-hmm. all relate to. And so I think mm-hmm. that's really laudable. And it's just, it's pretty to look at it. It allows you, there's some heavy themes, but it also allows you to linger 
on the moments of beauty on these on these women that even if they're thinking about leaving their community and leaving the people that are their teachers, they are like relentlessly devoted to one another. And you see that even as they're arguing, they care for one another. They braid each other's hair. They have picnics together. They sing together. They comfort each other. So they are, they're faithful to each other. They are loyal to each other. And that the movie shows that not just with the words, but visually and with just the little activities that are that they're doing. So I think there's a lot of brilliance on display here in this movie on a technical scale. Yeah, I completely agree. It's interesting about the the color grading of this. I heard some complaints about that before I watched it. And so I was kind of like keyed into that. And I thought, actually, I think this the like the muted colors you're saying really fits with with what's happening. And then when we get the flashback moments, which uh by the way, none of the violence is on screen, which I think is a good mm-hmm. choice as well, which is the same as the book. But we do get like, you know, the morning after, like the, the direct aftermath. And those scenes are even more washed out. It seems like it's kind of a almost nightmarish looking. But then we get back to the, you know, the present. And it, it is, it's very, I think, very beautiful. Um, yeah, the you were kind of talking about like lingering on those moments of beauty. And I think that's interesting too, that the tone, like, this could just be just heavy, heavy dour the whole time, but it does give you those moments of, of beauty and even lightness. Like we have these two young characters whose name are Ocha and Nycha. They're like 15 and 16 and they're kind of cracking jokes here and there. And, and like the women stop to sing songs at different moments. And it really, it does have, which is interesting too, because like the experience of reading the book as well is very similar where it, you can be laughing in one paragraph because something funny's happened and then like just devastated <laughs> like the next, very next page when you're hearing the backstory of, you know, something awful. And um, so I think it, it and, and something about that feels realistic. Like, you, you know, people really were in this situation um, where they're you know, deciding the future of their lives and all the women around their, their lives, but you still, you know, you might stop to laugh about something and you, you would have those um, I don't know, kind of the, the mixture of emotions uh, I think works really well. Yeah. Hmm. They, they, there's somebody, the line is something to the fact effect of like, if I think sometimes people laugh mm-hmm. as much as they want to cry and yeah. it's a very powerful line um, and a very true line, but yeah, there's, there's nice, humor in here that sort of breaks things up there's the beautiful speech about the woman saying um you know it's interesting we haven't asked the men for anything (laughs) except for possibly (laughs) to leave you know so um Mm -hmm. and yeah it does keep it from just being heavy 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 all the time but again yeah i totally agree with that i like the humor um I wanted to mention one other thing about that, and that's the narration, which that's a, mm-hmm. a kind of a key difference between the book and the the film, actually. So I'll, again, I said I wasn't going to talk about the book much, but I'll talk about it a little bit. So the narration in the film is Ocha, one of the young women, and she's kind of telling the story to the unborn daughter of Ona, who, like we see, Ona is pregnant, again, as a result of these attacks. And 
she's you know saying well you never met your grandma but she did this at this moment and like she's kind of explaining through and i think that's a really wonderful way to 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 do this on screen in the book the narrator is august who is the one man in this film really like we see like one of their husbands uh from a distance at one point um but he you know he's taking the minutes at the at the meeting and so what we're reading in the book is like we're reading his minutes and um it's interesting so i i looked at a few reactions to the book and i did see some a couple of people online were like why did why don't you have a man narrate this story about women which i think is interesting because I, I think that is a really interesting kind of way that the book is written but just like i want to talk just a little bit about the character of august because i think he is really interesting uh, as sort of like potentially the only safe man in the whole colony um and like he's almost uh, at one point one of the women uh, marike i think uh, jesse buckley's character calls him a failed farmer and like there's more of that kind of stuff in the book as well where he's he's almost like not a real man he's a, i think at one point he's called a half man um and like in, in that way he's trusted by the women uh, but at the same time in the colony as a whole he's um sort of seen as a less than you know in this patriarchal society he's not like one of the powerful men um but i think it's he's a really interesting character and and i think probably the most some of the most moving moments in the film for me came from him and maybe that's as a male viewer, I kind of identify with him, but also just as a, he, he's a, he's a man who clearly wants to sort of be an ally and wants to try to help in what, whatever way he can, even though he feels very helpless. And there's a moment when, um, I think it's Agatha who he's one of the grandmothers says towards the end, we're all very proud of you. And he just like breaks down. And in that moment, you sense that he has, felt like a disappointment for most of his life probably and like in this really weird situation he's able to finally be helpful in a way that um he probably hasn't gotten a lot of kind of affirmation his whole life and gets it in this moment and it's just overwhelming overwhelmingly emotional for him so i love that moment i I think a lot of that is in his performance which was my next question is what do you think of the performances but i absolutely love um ben wishaw in that role and and what he does with that, uh, with that character, and specifically that moment, and, and some other moments like that. What do you think about the performers in this? The the performers are, are all great. This is a film that um, a lot of people were calling out Claire Foy as having a strong performance, and we were sort of after watching this movie, we all had this is at the film festival. We were all sort of arguing who would be nominated, you know, for a best actress or best supporting actress, like who's the lead and who's the supporting. And this is a great, this is, would be a great candidate for an ensemble cast, honestly, Mm -hmm. because all of the women are very strong. I mean, the, the three leads would be Clara Foy and Rooney, Rooney Mara and Jesse Buckley are the three strongest in my opinion, yeah. But they yeah, they all give very strong performances and each of the women, the supporting women has a moment where they you get to some interior monologue about their those characters that keeps them from just being paper cutouts or stereotypes. 
the the character of Ben was interesting, um, or August, sorry, uh, but he, um, yeah, it was interesting. His his character is an also an outsider, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and you mentioned that already, but that's that's kind of what tends to happen. You find your allies in other people that are ostracized in the same society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the fact that his what why he had to leave was his mother asked questions um so even with knowing that little bit of information it gives us enough to kind of very much understand who he is and why he's attracted to ona and mm-hmm. the different the different levels of of him but his yeah and that it's it also gives you a great example of if you try to be an ally to somebody of a marginalized identity, sometimes you'll be, you know, I wouldn't say he's necessarily abused, but not everybody appreciates him as much as everybody (laughs) else does in that group. And he gets called out several times for maybe overstepping or, you know, Mm -hmm. you get a, you get a case study of what are some things that could, what are some missteps you could do as an ally and what should you watch out for? Um, and so he gets the op because he's there and he's there because of something they cannot do. And they, so they need him to be in that space, but that doesn't necessarily give him the right to vote, you know, the same way that each of them does. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing how he sort of navigates that is a very interesting and it's a difficult, it'd be a difficult thing for anybody to do. Um, and how should you do that without calling attention to yourself and mm-hmm. trying to kind of take over the proceedings, which is, I mean, that's probably how he was raised to do it. You know, you as a mm-hmm. man are here to make sure the women are in order. And, um, you know, so that was, and you know, it's interesting. You know, what would the movie have been like without his character? Perhaps to give that, mm-hmm. to yeah, give that question. dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, the gender dynamics are just really interesting. And something you said earlier about um, kind of their faithfulness to one another as the women. Maybe think like you. You really have a sense, and maybe this is again having read the book, but I think it's, I think it's present in the film as well. Like. There's really a quite a disdain, especially at like the line you're saying about the one thing we ask the men for in our whole lives is to go away. <laughs> and like they all laugh about that. But it's also like there is quite a feeling of disdain that you kind of sense has grown and grown, especially obviously the recent events finding out about these attacks has like brought that to a head for this. But um, there really is quite a, a, a feeling of, um, I don't know, they have generally unpleasant feelings towards all the men in their lives it seems like um but and so they really rely on each other um and yeah it, it, i did feel funny like singling out the performance of the one man in the movie about a movie called women talking but i do i also really love rooney mara in this and claire foy and jesse buckley um and actually so I, w- I was curious about that because i think that uh what is it is it focus features i'm trying to remember the company whoever it is I think they did campaign Rooney Mara as lead, which is interesting because they really are, uh, everyone's kind of a supporting character in this. I think she has a little bit more screen time and she, the relationship with her and 
Ben Wishaw, I guess, is a little bit more prominent, makes her a bit more prominent in the film. But yeah, I really, really love her performance as well. Hmm. As sort of, um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, she's, I think what maybe makes her character stand out is she's the least stereotypical. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with Jesse Buckley, she's a a wife that's getting abused by her husband. And so her reaction to that is to be very sarcastic and bitter and sort of tough mm-hmm. as nails. And then you have Claire Foy, who's a natural fighter for whatever reason. She yeah. just, um, but not the same way that Jesse Buckley is, you know, mm-hmm. she's more, uh, cause Jesse Buckley is basically like, we should just stay and forgive, but, uh, Claire Foy's character uh, who is is just saying uh, we should stay and fight. You know, she's just a scrapper and <laughs> and wants yeah. to. Uh, but that sort of makes them both, in a way, their types. You know, as opposed to to Ona, who is very much, very much. Um, defying in in any in any kind of way what you would say about her because she's probably she's carrying the child of a person that has raped her and Mm -hmm. so what would your reaction be we've seen all kinds of things but she's the one saying we should forgive and this person um this person as a child when they came out of the womb they were innocent too and uh, the society has created this. So she's just she's just mm-hmm. blowing our mind all over the place that she yeah. would say things like that. And so I think mm-hmm. that's what makes her character uh, particularly interesting. She's definitely like she's still a, a quieter performance, whereas with Claire Foy, her she has very she's a very fiery, passionate performance. And mm-hmm. so I always really like that. So for me, I was like, no, it's Claire Foy. She's the stronger character. But then other people were like, Maruni Mara. She was so intriguing, so interesting. Um, so maybe it's a Rorschach test for like, you know, who yeah, you maybe. are as a person and what sort of characters <laughs> you like. That's funny. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, she's really interesting, Ona, the Maruni Mara character, because she is she's a little bit of a free thinker more than the others, it seems. And um, at, at one point, somebody says, you sound like August's mother. Mm-hmm. And which is like a little key because, you know, August mother questioned things and kind of spread dissension. And that's why they kicked them out, which it really you just get it kind of hinted at in the film. You get all of that stuff in the book, which is interesting, like just in his narration and backstory stuff. Um, and actually, like they had a secret school that his mother would like teach some of the young girls, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And Ona was one of them. And so that that that's another thing that the book kind of pieces together. So I'll recommend the book. But uh, but yeah, I think her character in and yeah, like the whole discussion about um you know we, we should forgive the men um but if they are forcing us and it's not true forgiveness and then ona gets into like yeah she like, kind of like breaks down what is patriarchy like oh this hurts the men too like they were raised in this and um mm-hmm. with some distance we might even be able to empathize with them and which yeah again thoughts that i've thought about not mm-hmm. only like patriarchy things but like religious things people in my life you know like feeling sometimes so angry about things that um 
the way people can be, you know, present tense still. I mean, you turn on the news and you can see the way um, religious fundamentalism can affect uh, things today and it can be so frustrating. But but she's saying, oh, take a step back and look at the system they were born into and like, this is what they know. And, and having that amount of empathy could could lead to true forgiveness. And I, I, I just, again, I was just taken aback that the film went there and like had all built all that stuff into the story and into the script um yeah so i love rooney mars performance i want to single out to uh her name's kate hallett who i don't think she's been in anything else she plays ocha who is the narrator and one of the younger women and uh she just has such a great face and like at one point i believe that she's marike's daughter which is jesse buckley's character mm-hmm. and when they're talking about um jesse buckley's husband who is abusive uh oh yeah she His is, name she is, is klaus or something klaus, yeah, <laughs> he is yeah. a very like yeah. it sounds like an abuser right there <laughs> totally <laughs> that's really what's well, interesting too so it's not clear exactly where they are in the film in the book i think they're in uh somewhere in south america and they speak low german like this they're they just don't speak the same language as the rest of their country i think they're in bolivia because the, so the story is based on something that actually happened in bolivia right. like this true thing so i think in the in the book they're in bolivia but they speak low german which is so interesting so the name klaus kind of makes sense in that context that they kind of mm-hmm. and there's a few things in the narration of the book where he says oh this this word is actually untranslatable into english because he's writing it in english anyway uh, it's very interesting the, the layers of kind of language and stuff too but yes, uh, she just has such a great face. The Kate Hellett uh, actor who plays Ocha, and uh, I hope she gets more work because I, I really thought she was wonderful. Um, and then both of the older women too, Judith Ivy plays Agatha and Sheila McCarthy is Greta. They just, they remind me so much of like sweet old church ladies that I've known in my mm-hmm. life. And like, and, and so there's something heartbreaking about that too. It's like, how would these people that I, you know, people that I've known, they remind me so much of how would they respond to a crisis like this? Um, I think that another layer of familiarity that that made this kind of emotional to to watch. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, enough about the performances for me. Um, but I think generally they're all really good across the board. Is there anything else about this film that you want to single out or, or favorite moments or anything like that before we kind of wrap things up? Well, I I was it was interested in this. We don't see we a lot of Frances McDormand in this movie, but she has, uh, yeah. I found her role really interesting at the beginning. And her character's name is Scarface, which I don't think yeah. I realized until I looked at the IMDb credits yeah. that her name is Scarface. Um, but she has sort of a key role at the very beginning of the movie where she t- keeps talking about that if we don't forgive them, we won't get into the kingdom of God. And it's just this very like heavy thing that starts out. And, you know, who decided that? And um, she's obviously represents the, but when they start the movie, they tell you there were three positions. They could either stay and fight, leave or do nothing. And her character represents the camp of do nothing. And when she realizes that that's not going to happen, she ends up just leaving the movie, uh, leaving, <laughs> leaving the, <laughs> the, the meeting <laughs> with her two daughters. Uh, kind of, she does leave the movie, doesn't she? Yeah, um, more or less. 
but we know we still know she's there and they show her a few times throughout the movie you can just see her sitting at the kitchen table um you know so the movie keeps reminding us that this character's there so there are other women in the community that aren't part of this mm -hmm. meeting and she sort of represents that for us and also you know, also does it in a way that you mentioned at the beginning which is non-judgmental and it's like okay it would be really hard as an older lady it'd be hard for anybody mm -hmm. but as an older lady who's in her twilight years to consider leaving now or doing anything to ruffle the system, which she's been part of probably as long as the other two older women that you mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. And having that, that character in there um, as sort of a, you know, a powerful presence throughout, even though she's yeah. very silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in a way, she kind of represents like a very black and white kind of thinking like, well, we want to go to heaven, right? So we have to do this. Like, that's it. And like, there's no, there's no other wiggle room. Whereas then we see Claire Foy's character like, well, surely God understands that we've been through this. Or like, um, she has a, a, Claire Foy has a great kind of monologue towards the end about, you know, if God is loving, then he, he understands we need to protect our children. If God is vengeful, then he understands why we feel the need for revenge because she's the very you know kind of violent one and then if god is omnipotent how has he allowed this to happen and like then she starts to really question things but um but yeah i think yeah scar scarface jans i think is her name i don't know if they call her that to her face but yeah she has the scars on her face but uh, yeah i think she's a you're right a really powerful presence in the film and uh, yeah yeah, yeah that and that heavy. quote that you were that quote that you were doing that was the one I was trying to find, look up oh. before, <laughs> which is about if God is loving, if God is vengeful, we're made in His presence, and if God is omnipotent, then why has He allowed this to happen? And then she keeps going and and is like, I will, I will dance on graves and I will burn forever in hell mm -hmm. if somebody tries to harm my child. Uh, again so you're wondering does that in the and in the book which I haven't read looking at the summaries I guess there were women as young as age five that were being assaulted mm -hmm. so I guess that was their way of slipping that in without yeah. addressing it directly that these weren't just teenagers or fully grown women that were being assaulted it was girls as of all ages as young as age five um, so it's a way to kind of talk about that in a way that is not detailed. It never sensationalizes the crimes against the mm -hmm. women. Um, but you do, I, I feel like there's a lot that's unsaid in the movie and I'm not sure if it's necessarily covered in more, I don't necessarily need details of assault, but you yeah. do feel a sense like they're only touching on a few of the stories of the women in this community that are, mm -hmm. are going on we don't know half of the depths of of what what sort of crimes have gone on in this yeah. society yeah absolutely and just to speak to that it, it is made clear in the book that her daughter is one of the victims as well mm -hmm. so she's really speaking from a place of mm -hmm. um and, and that's one of the first things we see in the film is her trying to like break in and like she has a sight mm -hmm. so she's going to kill them and actually the the kind of that great irony of that the narration there is that the men left for their own protection, which like they are the, they are the assaulters and they're leaving for their own protection because they're afraid of her. Um, 
which yeah it's i think there's so many of those kind of um touches that make perfect sense in the context of the story but you know to our to the audience ears just are infuriating and and um i think it's it's well written in that way as well but but yeah yeah that that speech from her is is definitely a highlight of the of the film yeah i do wonder why this movie isn't being talked about more yeah <laughs> and yeah. i don't know how much we can contemplate that here on this podcast but it <laughs> i feel like when this movie was at the festival everybody was thinking it was going to be a shoe in come awards season mm-hmm. to get all sorts of recognition and it has gone mm-hmm. largely untalked about and it's just now in theaters you know right now recently yeah, yeah. so um mm-hmm. as opposed to another almost like a sister movie she said i feel mm-hmm. like is could almost be these I saw these movies, you know, back to back and mm-hmm. they are very much in the same vein. She said has gotten more acclaim, more recognition. I don't know if people feel that movie is easier to di- digest or the fact that this is so much talking and conversation and almost courtroom drama that mm-hmm. people don't find it compelling or there are just too, mo- too many movies that came out this year. <laughs> I don't know what thoughts you had about that. Yeah, it's a good question. So I, uh, a podcast I listen to a lot is Film Spotting with um, Adam Kimpinar and Josh Larson of the, the critics there. And I, I haven't listened to their thoughts about it, but I know that Adam Kimpinar, who I generally agree with about stuff, uh, called this film a disappointment. I don't know why yet. I'm gonna, I wanted to get my podcast out before I listened to hear why, mm. but maybe I can report back to you. But uh, but yeah, I'm curious to, to hear you know the detractors about this i heard some complaints about the color grading but again i i thought it worked really well um but yeah i imagine it's like what you're saying it's just kind of not as accessible and it's it is it's so in the weeds of kind of main theology sometimes and um and trauma and psychology and that kind of those kinds of things that it's uh maybe just a harder sell i don't know but yeah i mean it, it i think it's nominated for a couple of oscars for adapted screenplay i I think and then uh oh yeah it squeaked in for best picture i was so happy it was like the last one on the list because they're alphabetical oh great but yeah it's that's it and so i i wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't win anything i would love it to obviously but um yeah i don't know it's i'm gonna pay attention to some more discourse once i've got this episode published and and see but but yeah for me i mean i think i told you already this is my film of the year was my favorite thing i watched all year and Mm -hmm. uh just had such a strong reaction to it that i knew i wanted to definitely talk about it on the podcast in some depth so thank you so much for coming on and i so appreciate you uh coming on the show you'll have to come back again for for something later on as well and uh yeah i guess I, i guess we can say bye bye for now do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap things up no i think that we've covered all the points that i had written down yeah before you go where can we find you and your work online my account is called one of my stories so you can follow me at one of my stories on twitter or letterboxd or soundcloud or apple Podcasts or instagram basically all the social media alex except for facebook or find my website at one of my stories.com 
I cover all kinds of material, a lot of movies, award season stuff, as well as select TV shows, finishing up 1899. And I also do Cobra Kai related news as well. (laughs) So get into all kinds of things, a lot of horror movies, mostly independent movies. uh, But I do have to do those superhero ones to get people reading my (laughs) reviews. So I do (laughs) review all kinds of Mm -hmm. movies on my channel. So I'd love to have you as a follower. So, and I'll say you've done some really cool interviews too, just looking through uh, what you, who you've been able to talk to, but then also uh, 1899, I've heard so many good things about, and I saw that you've been really digging into that one. So I'm hoping to take the plunge and, and be, uh, of course, keeping up with your thoughts as I go, but yes, please everyone follow her. (laughs) And uh, and thank you again for, um, for contributing here. And and I would love it again, if you are uh, a contributor again in the future. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. Huge thanks to Lindsay Dunn. I love the insights she brought to this conversation, and I'm excited to have her back on the show hopefully soon. One more reminder to follow Lindsay online at oneofmystories.com or her various social media outlets, which I have linked in the show notes. And another reminder, there's more women talking discussion to be heard over in part two. Seminary student Maddie Modal joins me for that discussion about the film and the novel, the adaptation, and some further examination of the film's religious themes. And looking further down the road, I've got a discussion planned about the latest Steven Spielberg film, The Fablemans, as well as a new series in the works about the films of Darren Aronofsky. So stay tuned to your podcast feed for all of that. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can also email me directly andrew at arthousegarage.com and of course follow on social media you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxd just search at arthousegarage in all those places or find links in the show notes and that will do it for this episode thank you again so much for listening and until next time keep it snob free